The first trial of the former officers charged in the killing of George Floyd is underway. Police officers are rarely prosecuted in such cases, and the world will be watching. The Minnesota Public Radio newsroom, which has followed this case in detail from the beginning, will bring listeners updates on this monumental trial and the consequences it holds for the city and the country. Listen to In Front of Our Eyes wherever you listen to podcasts. She was murdered on my son's birthday. So it's very symbolic for us. And we had to come out and support her because, uh, like I said, after the verdict, they were going to kill again. And they have. This is 74 Seconds. I'm Tracy Mumford. While we've been working on the end of this podcast, something happened here last week that we have to talk about. The BCA is investigating a deadly shooting at the hands of police. We're learning more about the woman shot and killed in South Minneapolis late last night. With people still grappling with the not guilty verdict for Haran Moyanas in the killing of Philando Castile, and with people still raw over the shooting of Jamar Clark even before that, the Twin Cities just had its third high-profile police shooting in less than two years. Justine Ruschek, a 40-year-old white woman originally from Australia, was shot in her pajamas by an officer in the alley behind her house. You may have seen her called Justine Damon in the news, which has been everywhere. That was her fiancé's last name, which she used professionally. Justine Ruschek died minutes before what would have been Philando Castile's 34th birthday. Say her name, by the way. What's her name? Justine. Justine. Say her name. Justine. Valerie Castile, Philando's mother, who you heard there at the top being interviewed by CNN, she turned out alongside hundreds of other people last week to march and show support for Ruschek's fiance, Don Damon. And there was this moment at the march where these two people, Valerie Castile and Don Damon, who have both so publicly lost people they loved, they hugged. This is a club, the families of victims of police shootings, a club that no one wants to be a part of. This is not a, a black or white thing. This is a human being thing. This is a humanity type thing. Now, Justine Ruschek's shooting is different from the shooting of Philando Castile in almost every way, except for how it ended. Here's what we know about Justine Ruschek's death. At 11.27 p.m. on July 15th, Justine Ruschek called 911 to report a possible sexual assault happening behind her house. She lived in the Fulton neighborhood of Minneapolis, a quiet, affluent part of town. That night, Justine told the dispatcher that she thought she heard a woman screaming yelling help. The dispatcher told her an officer was on the way. Eight minutes later, Ruschek called 911 again to make sure the dispatcher had her address right. She still hadn't seen the police. The dispatcher assured her officers were on the way. The officers who responded that night were Michael Harity and Mohammed Noor. Harity had been on the force for a year, Noor for just short of two. 
They turned down the alley behind Ruschek's house with their squad lights off. Harity was driving, nor was in the passenger seat. In Harity's statement to investigators, he said he was startled by a loud sound near the squad. And immediately afterward, according to Harity, Ruschek appeared at the driver's side window. Nor shot across his partner and out the open window, striking Ruschek in the abdomen. They got out to give aid. 530, oh, shots fired. Can we get EMS code 3 Washburn and 51st Street? Go window. Ruschek died at the scene. No weapon was recovered. Sadly, her family and I have been provided with almost no additional information from law enforcement regarding what happened after police arrived. That's Don Damon, Justine's fiancé. Their wedding was scheduled for next month. He gave this brief public statement after her death. We've lost the dearest of people, and we're desperate for information. Piecing together Justine's last moments before the homicide would be a small comfort as we grieve this tragedy. This story has been covered all around the world, especially in Justine Ruschek's home country of Australia. Because when they look at police shootings, they see a distinctly American problem. The headline about Ruschek's death in Sydney's Daily Telegraph tabloid read, American Nightmare. We are seeking answers to this. Uh, this is a shocking killing. It is, it's inexplicable. Our hearts go out to her family. I mean, how can a, a woman out in the street in her pyjamas seeking assistance from the police be shot like that? Uh, it, it's, it is a shocking uh, killing. That is the Prime Minister of Australia in disbelief over the shooting. Police shootings are rare in Australia. They have a significantly smaller population, but according to The Guardian, one month of police shootings in the U.S. is more than 19 years of police shootings in Australia. This has been emphasized by Australian media in the last week. The issue of uh, police shootings has been a massive one in the United States, as you well know, for for, uh, the past couple of years. Uh, And indeed, it has been in Minneapolis as well. It was only last month that the case of uh, Philando Castile, an African-American man who was shot in his car while reaching for what a police officer thought was a weapon, uh, was resolved, and that, that police officer was acquitted. So what we've seen today is a great deal of anger in the community. So for us, coming out of this deep dive into the case of Philando Castile, we've been thinking about all the differences in these shootings. And again, there are many. Philando Castile was pulled over because an officer said he looked like a suspect. Ruschek, on the other hand, called the police. Castile was carrying a firearm and told the officer that. Ruschek had no weapon. Castile was killed in his car by a Mexican-American officer from a suburban department. Ruschek was killed in her alley by a Somali-American officer from an urban department. Castile was black. Ruschek was white. Another difference that we want to talk about? The lack of video. Unlike the case of Philando Castile, there's no Facebook Live video from a witness this time, no dash cam footage, and notably, no body cam footage. Not because the officers didn't have body cams, but because they didn't turn them on. Minneapolis started equipping all officers with body cameras a year ago. The whole force has been equipped with them. But they don't automatically turn on. Officers are supposed to turn them on when the situation calls for it, per the manual. 
The manual specifically says if a BWC, a body-worn camera, is not activated prior to a use of force, it shall be activated as soon as it is safe to do so. The officers turned their cameras on that night, but not in time to capture the shooting or its immediate aftermath. And this is a complicated reality. Some people have suggested that if Geronimo Yanez had been wearing a body camera when he shot Philando Castile, that there wouldn't have been a question about whether or not Castile was reaching for a gun. We would have been able to see what he saw. Justine Ruschek's death shows that just wearing body cameras isn't a cure-all for getting answers in situations like this. We still have to rely on training and human behavior. Another notable difference between these two shootings, the response from police. Not long after Philando Castile was shot, the St. Anthony Police Department confirmed there had been a shooting, but then referred people to the state's Bureau of Criminal Apprehension, which took over the investigation. The St. Anthony Police Chief didn't comment any further until five months later. In contrast, within days of the Roostrack shooting, the Minneapolis Police Chief held a press conference. Good afternoon. My name is Janae Harteau. I am the police chief for the city of Minneapolis. And she denounced the death of Justine Ruschek. Justine didn't have to die. Based on the publicly released information from the BCA, this should not have happened. On our squad cars, you will find the words to protect with courage and serve with compassion. This did not happen. Now, just one day after Chief Harto came out and said this, she resigned. And the mayor of Minneapolis, Betsy Hodges, held a press conference of her own. In conversation with the chief today, she and I agreed that she would step aside to make way for new leadership. And I asked Chief Harto for her resignation. She tendered it, and I have accepted it. We haven't seen many police chiefs resign in cases like this, and this is definitely one of the fastest. Here's Mayor Hodges again. I note that some in Minneapolis have lost confidence in police leadership. For us to continue to transform policing and community trust in policing, both the chief and I concluded we need new leadership at MPD. Protesters responded to news of Chief Harteau's resignation by calling for the mayor to resign, too. The final difference we want to touch on here is the response from the officer who pulled the trigger. In the case of Philando Castile's death, Officer Geronimo Yanez sat down for a formal interview with investigators less than 24 hours after the shooting. Mohamed Noor, the officer who shot Justine Ruschek, hasn't talked with investigators at all. Not the BCA, not the internal affairs investigators for the Minneapolis Police Department. He issued a statement through his lawyer expressing his condolences to Ruschek's friends and family. Quote, he takes their loss seriously and keeps them in his daily thoughts and prayers. But again, he has not spoken about the incident with investigators. And he doesn't have to. Everyone has the constitutional right against self-incrimination. It's the Fifth Amendment. And everyone includes police officers. 
We wanted to get more perspective on this, so I asked a defense attorney about it. And he said that Noor not talking didn't surprise him at all. He said he was actually surprised that Yanez had spoken to investigators so soon. From the lawyer's perspective, there's no advantage for an officer to make a statement until he knows more about the direction the investigation is going. He also said, considering the way that Yanez's initial statement was held up against his testimony at trial, that you have to consider how a prosecutor might use any inconsistencies due to memory or time against you. He emphasized, again, that remaining silent is a constitutional right and should not be considered any kind of admission of guilt. Mohammed Noor's lawyer said that Noor would like to say more and, quote, will in the future. For now, the BCA is conducting its investigation, and it will be up to Hennepin County Prosecutor Mike Freeman to decide whether or not to bring charges. He announced last year that he would no longer leave it up to grand juries, whose proceedings are secret, to make charging decisions in police shootings. As is standard, Mohammed Noor is currently on paid administrative leave, and the Twin Cities are again left to wait. The 74 Seconds team is John Collins, Reham Fashir, Hans Buto, and me, Tracy Mumford. We are edited by Meg Martin. We had additional reporting this episode by George Dornbach, Peter Cox, and Brant Williams. Special thanks to Veronica Rodriguez, Corey Schreppel, and Eric Stromstad. Our theme music is by Joffrey Wilson. 74 Seconds is a production of NPR News and American Public Media. This is Tracy from 74 Seconds, and we wanted to let you know that our colleagues at APM Reports just launched the new season of their award-winning podcast, In the Dark. In this second season, they explore a new story with life-or-death consequences. It's the case of four people who were killed in a small town in Mississippi, and the story of why a black man on death row has been tried six times for those murders. You can listen and subscribe to In the Dark on Apple Podcasts. Mm-hmm.